Greetings, Hempster. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hemp Aware Radio, where we focus on what's most important. Today's show is all about how to accelerate the growth and memorability of your hemp company with strategic marketing and design so that you can attract your ideal customers and get them to come back for more. And to help me do that today, I have a special guest, Will Reed. He's the CEO and founder at CannaPlanners.com. And the CannaPlanners team is made up of expert web designers, developers, marketers, and creative minds that can help your Canna business create a powerful brand based on a story, imagery, and strong digital presence. The goal at Canna Planners is to help new brands like yours make an impact in the fast-growing hemp and cannabis industry. And they have an incredible team to help you find the most impactful solution for your business. What I love about Canna Planners is that just like we're doing here at HempAware, they're dedicated and committed to breaking down the stigma around cannabis while building up the professionalism of this industry through their work. And it's been far too long since cannabis was known for what it really is, an essential solution for food, home, clothing, plastics, fuel, medicine, and so much more. So if you're ready to take your hemp company or cannabis business to the next level, you're going to love this hemp episode today. And so without further ado, I'd love to welcome aboard Will Reed, the CEO and founder at Canna Planners, to the Hemp Aware Radio Hello. Show. Thanks so much for joining me, Will. Hey, Tyler. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you. Yeah. So um, give us a little bit of background about your expertise and you know how you were ultimately introduced to cannabis and, and what inspired you to create yeah. Canna Planners. Hmm, all of those things in no particular order. Well, I'm kind of a lifelong cannabis lover, appreciator, user, consumer. Uh, I would say for most, most, all of my adult life and some of my adolescent life, uh, I found comfort in cannabis. And it was specifically at the time, like a, beyond being fun, uh, it was a really good kind of, I was, I'm part of that like over-prescribed Ritalin generation, you know, like ADHD generation of people like overprescribed to um, prescription amphetamines. So mm-hmm. at the time, cannabis was like a really great kind of opposite side of that spectrum of being like kind of cracked out all day and then mm-hmm. not being cracked out all day. So yeah. I've always, um, I've always had, you know, uh, an affinity for cannabis for sure. And I've always appreciated it. Um, even when it, you know, it didn't seem so clear that there was any future in it. You know what I mean? Um, mm. So I am, uh, I, to answer another part of your question, so I uh, come from Apple. Um, my professional life started at Apple. Um, so I drank that Kool-Aid pretty, pretty readily about <clears throat> things like customer experience and, uh, you know, the importance of brand and kind of the power of brand. Um, so when I was, uh, after my time at Apple, coming to, moving to Vermont, which is where I live, where I started Canna Planners, um, I thought that there would be, I kind of saw the future. It was kind of happening around us with cannabis legalization uh, happening everywhere else. This is like back in 2013. I started like kind of thinking about this. <clears throat> um, 
but the writing was pretty much on the wall. So I started figuring out how I could, um, my skills are really in sales. You know, that's, I've always been in sales. Um, prior to starting Canna Planners, I've, I've not really been, I'm using air quotes for your listeners. I, I've not really been a real entrepreneur. I hadn't really, and that's not even to say that like I tried stuff and failed. Um, I hadn't even really tried stuff at that point. Um, mm-hmm. So figuring out kind of where I wanted to be, I was working at a nine to five job. I kind of hated it. I don't feel like I was uh, like a good employee at the time. Um, and I saw the red, like I said, I saw the writing on the wall. So I was trying, and at the time I was working in web sales. So I was doing kind of what we do here. Um, and I had a, a knack for it. Like I kind of figured out that pitch. Um, so it was sort of obvious to me that this would be an important skill to have in cannabis. If not now, like people would be marketing cannabis soon. So I, sure. I tried to start Cannaplaners. Yeah, I started. And luckily at that point, just to like bring it to your audience, like at that point, Vermont was a little bit ahead of the farm bill, right? Um, so we had people planting hemp um, in Vermont a little bit, you know, not before everybody, but before most other states. So like around mm-hmm. the time Oregon was, was doing it, and I know Kentucky was heavily involved in it, we, we, were, we were there. So there were all these opportunities for me to kind of validate the business idea as it pertained to the, the, grow, you know, the emerging CBD market. For so sure. So we tried that, and we grew. Yeah, we, we, we started as a website company, and websites are still a huge part of what we do. Um, but, you know, and we'll get into the normalization side of it. But our mission, my mission coming into this was to try to uh, extricate myself from other marketing kind of avenues other people had been taking, which seemed really exploit, exploitative of the plant. It seemed tacky. <laughs> it didn't seem uh, like, a, like a broad consumer marketing tactic. It was really specific. Um, and I was pretty keenly aware, and I, I still hope this is this is the, the case that you know there's a whole there's a whole population of potential cannabis CBD consumer who is uneducated, frightened, um, whatever, like whatever you know in in an illegal state uh, that you know that could be a, a primary one, but there are all these things that were kind of holding back, and again, beyond legality, there were all these factors interpersonally that were holding consumers back from maybe trying this, these products out. So I knew mm-hmm. that there was a responsibility to manufacturers and also the creative people like, like Canna Planners who are getting into this game to break that, right, and, you know, push normalization in the way that we knew we could successfully do that. Mm-hmm. So you you saw the challenge of of the marketing challenge that there was a sort of uh, low end or or one approach to marketing cannabis and a lot of lack of education or lack of consumer education. So you you felt like marketing, branding in particular, helping other companies look more professional could, could really help get rid of the stigma around hemp. And so you're using this as your vehicle. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we had, we had some pretty arrogant design rules in the beginning. (laughs) Uh, Like Mm -hmm. we weren't going to allow ourselves to use leaves in design motifs. We weren't going to allow ourselves to use um, 
like that green, like if you close your eyes and say cannabis industry and you think of the green that mm-hmm. everybody uses, yeah. or used to use, we weren't going to use that. Uh, we had to, you know, like we were just trying to be, we were, we were a little, like I said, arrogant in our approach, but I think like what we were trying to do was just set a bar. Now, like we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, stay true to those rules <laughs> like hardly ever. You'll see pot leaves and, and various uh, colors of green all over the place in, in everything we do, uh, or not everything, but in a lot of things we do. Um, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's up to us to kind of have a, a brand standard of, for camera planners in regards to like the kind of work we want to, we want to do. Yeah. And it really comes Which is down build to something the, that's like lasting. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. being flexible with your, your design principles. Cause I I've gone through that very thing with, with my clients is, you know, using the hemp leaf, it has a stigma or, or the cannabis leaf. And so it, it really comes down to your target audience. What is the product you're designing? Yes. And is it appropriate to use the leaf or not? Not just this blanket rule totally. that you shouldn't use it. So that totally makes sense. Yeah, of course. But going in, <laughs> of into course. more like other other you know our listeners are mostly hemp entrepreneurs or they're starting a, yeah. a brand or a new uh-huh. product. So for, for the hemp entrepreneurs that are just getting started with their product or service, who do you know? Um, or I guess you, I, my question is, what would you recommend them to focus on first when it comes to creating a brand or a product in the market? And, you know, how would you recommend they get started? Like what's more important, creating the product or designing a brand around the customer and then, and then matching up a product to their needs or what's your take on that? Yeah. It's a little bit of a chicken or the egg, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Do I create the product and and hope that it's a really awesome product, or do I focus on the brand and make sure the brand is powerful enough that no matter what the product is, the you know people will align with the brand? Well, mm-hmm. I would say uh, I will give you a, 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 a probably unsatisfying, ambiguous answer, which is it depends on the business and entrepreneur. There are entrepreneurs who will go in and buy. Uh, fledgling, failing, maybe even successful, uh, you know, existing businesses and have to, like, evolve that product line and and that brand and all that stuff, and and that will dictate kind of what they view as important. Um, To me, I mean, I'm going to sound like a hippie here, if you'll allow me, but to me it was all about, like, creating a life, really, like a little bit of world building. Like, how do I – how do I live a life I'm proud of? How do I live a life that, um, you know, will will help facilitate fill in the blank, whatever it is kind of life you want to live, um, and then kind of back in from there, right? It's not a, I, I, in my podcast. I'll do a shameless plug here if you'll allow. Common of sense, Mia. Uh, entrepreneurs I have interviewed in the past have, always, have have consistently said it's not it's not about what you love <laughs> at all. It's about what you're good at. And then if you're lucky, you can apply what you love. And I'm lucky because I, that's exactly what I did. So I, you know, I, I was good at sales. I was good at kind of um, managing a team and a workflow. Um, and I was lucky enough to apply it to cannabis, which I love. So I totally. would say like for actual, pro- like people making manufactured product goods, both of those things are important. <laughs> both of those things are super important. You have to have a product that doesn't suck. 
and you have to have a product that aligns with the consumer you want to you're hoping to to you know uh whose attention you're you're trying to grab so that's the real question is who is your consumer and this is something that like baffles my clients often because they don't always think about this you know like if we apply you know just <laughs> the normal kinds of answers i get when we ask this question it's and and it's who is your customer and oftentimes people will say anybody who smokes weed or anybody who uses CBD, and that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. So you have to, in developing your product, um, this is important, but in developing your brand, it's even more important to understand who you're trying to um, sell to. Yeah, your minimum viable audience, as Seth Godin calls it. It's really yes. – it comes down to the expression, if you try to market or sell to everyone, you end up selling to no one. And exactly. so I completely agree the true, importance true. of niching down. You know, you really can't niche too far down. And people think, you can't oh, well. niche too far down. Yeah. And if you do it successfully, sorry to interrupt you, Tyler, but if you do it successfully, then you actually can get the what you originally set out for. If you can niche yourself down to a specific audience and that audience uh, and that product uh, captures that audience, without alienating the other ones, you have a better chance of attracting people outside of that, that original customer base. And, and for what yeah. it's worth, this thing changes every, every year you grow, this changes. So yeah. you know, every year, every two years, you should be kind of thinking about, okay, who did I sell to this year? How are they different from the people the year before? Mm -hmm. You know, was that how, <laughs> why did that happen? Was that a result of messaging or creative or mm -hmm. what was exactly. it? What was in the water that year? Yeah, and any powerful copywriting framework is is going to speak to the needs of the customer. So it's foundational to mm -hmm. know your customer, but then what what are they struggling with? What are their problems and challenges? And how does your product yeah. help overcome those challenges? And without knowing your customer, you can't answer those questions, and therefore you can't create copy that that converts and and actually gets you sales. So I I, I completely agree. Totally. It's, it's totally foundational. Of course, you have to have a product that's good and believe in it. And yeah. once you have a good product that you believe in, yeah, then, then dialing in your, your market is, is I think, uh, second runner-up to that. Uh, but, you know, every for what it's worth, for, for, yeah. Well, just I was going to say for your listeners, mm -hmm. like, this is not an easy question to answer. Like, this is not an easy question to answer. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's super introspective. It's super... It's a heady way to think about your company, um, and I don't mean that in the cannabis definition of heady. I mean, like, you are actually mm -hmm. putting a lot of brain power into considering who you're trying to talk to. And then you have to understand how to talk to them, because it may not even be like you. You know what I mean? Like, my customers aren't mm -hmm. me. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm not exactly. speaking to them the way I would speak to myself or someone like me or, or really mm -hmm. my peers. It's a totally different you know, type of language. And it's, 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 for me, it's far more educational than, than really anything. And, and that's not always the case for, for businesses. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah. No. Yeah. You have to realize you, in your, your verbiage, your emails, your social media, every aspect of, of your communication, you might not be your end customer. And so knowing that, knowing how they speak and the language, the words they use, where they shop, like these things are super crucial to really speak to them. So I, I agree with that. That is an important distinction. 
Um, so yeah. some of the other mistakes or maybe challenges that, that hemp companies make when first starting out, you know, when it comes to their branding or creating products, what are some of the mistakes that you maybe yeah. experienced and were able to overcome and how were you able to overcome them? Well, the the experiences I have as a digital agency are for sure far different than the, the, the challenges my my clients face. We're not a, you know, we're professionally not a plant touching company. Um, we are very unprofessionally plant touching, but you know, mm-hmm. we are not tied to the same kinds of regulations that cannabis and even CBD companies are. So for, for me, the challenges are <laughs> creating, you know, uh, creating a company culture that I can be proud of, that people want to come work for. Like this is something I never. I don't know how to do, and I, I never, you know what I mean? Like, no one ever teaches you how to create a culture. You know what I mean? Right. So, but, but these things are important in developing your brand. Like, in the beginning, you might, you're probably not thinking about that, but this is the next evolution of the brand can of planners because now we're busy. <laughs> you know, we're, we're uh, and again, I'm, I'm using air quotes, listeners. We're a real, a real company now, you know what I mean? Like, we have 13 employees and health insurance and, you know, payroll and all that stuff. So there's there's aspects to growing the brand that go beyond, like, cool design work. Yeah. Um, and those are the things that I'm, I'm dealing with right now. Um, I would say for people listening, starting a CBD brand. Um, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Or what would you say some of the biggest mistakes they make? You know, they set out to create a brand. Maybe they don't understand design principles or branding principles. What would you say are some of the most common mistakes that brands make? Totally. Well, they're not – a lot of them aren't thinking about that, and this isn't to – you know, this is is maybe an older view. Um, But back in the day, a couple years ago, (laughs) which is like a thousand years in the cannabis series, but when when, when I first started Canaplanners – uh, companies really weren't thinking about this at all. Um, they were printing, you know, labels at home on an on a Avery label, you know, that they got from Staples, and they weren't thinking about this. They were really um, true believers in the power of, and, and I bet a lot of your listeners align with this, true believers in the power of cannabis, and uh, really were just hoping that their the the product alone would um, be so, good enough. So. It's not. It never is. Oops, someone just fell yeah. somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's not, and it never is. And and you shouldn't think about this because you're just doing yourself and your company a disservice, which is setting yourself back a lot. So without sounding, again, arrogant, here's a mistake I see all the time, which is a, a customer will be will go through our sales process at Canon Planners. You know, and, and this doesn't always happen, but it happens frequently enough. They'll go through the sales process at Canna Planners. They'll, we'll talk to, through them through the value of building a brand. We'll talk to them about simple things like the value of having a website and, and not so simple things like how we can do advertising or how we can, you know, what, what can we get out of SEO? How does that translate to foot traffic in your dispensary or whatever? All these things. And then they get scared when they get the, the contract, you know what I mean? And they back out and they say, oh, we're just going to handle this inside. My neighbor's a designer. My neighbor's kid is a, uh, you know, a kid and probably knows SEO. You know, whatever it is, like, mm-hmm. we're going to take this in-house. So many times <laughs> they'll come back because they haven't, they, you know, it, does, it, it doesn't, that, that never works. And not only does it not work, 
Their competitors didn't do that, and maybe even hired Canna Planners or a company like ours to do these things, and now they're they're feeling that in, in their bank accounts. You know what I mean? They're feeling that competition mm-hmm. right off the bat. So they're not thinking about this. Even though they have a great CBD product, well, so does their competitor. It's the same thing, and it's the same ratio, but they took the time to market it and find an audience and not just put, you know, a crappy mm-hmm. label on, on, a, on a bottle. Right. So you, you, you think not understanding design principles and quality of design is a big mistake that, that new hemp companies make? I'm saying, that there is a, I'm saying that there's a characteristic of altruism that is not uncommon in entrepreneurs in the cannabis space, and you have to get rid of that mentality right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> right now. Your products mm-hmm. are great, and they do great things, but your job isn't to – sit up on the mountaintop and, and, you know, convert people to cannabis. It's, it's to, it's to, I mean, it kind of is, but I'm saying like, not in, not in an altruistic way. The power of this plant is, is mostly a secret and Mm -hmm. people aren't going to believe you the the same way that they don't believe, you know, people talking about, you know, whatever, uh, essential oils or or whatever, you know what I mean? Like there is that sort of wall that still needs to be broken down. I agree. So in terms of design and, you know, how it fits into the whole marketing equation, why would you say, you know, branding and design is is essential to any sort of marketing plan? Because all your competitors are doing it. Mm -hmm. So there's something that we call, and maybe this is an industry-wide term for agencies, I don't know, but we call it just being retail ready. If I'm Mm -hmm. a stranger walking in off the street to a grocery store, which this happens, by the way, all the time. <laughs> Buyers are approached by, by uh, uh, producers all the time on the floor, and they'll say, here's my product, here's why it's great, here's where it'll fit on your shelf, uh, you know, and it, whatever. And if it's – you have to make it as easy for that person to say yes because they're, they're getting, you know, a hundred of those uh, – they're having a hundred of those conversations a week sometimes. Yeah. Um, so you have to make it as simple as possible to say yes. And if your product looks like crap, and, and all you have to do is go into a retail store and just look. All you have to do is just look around. Is your product going to stand out on that shelf? And it doesn't matter what right. kind of – you can go to the grocery store, you can go to a dispensary, you can go to a CBD shop, whatever, a car – like, uh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Does that product stand out or does it look like, you know – Cheap. Are you making yourself mm-hmm. cheaper by not taking that into account? So exactly. Put yourself really in the shoes of the buyer that the store that you want to be in. If you're not mm-hmm. going in there with something that has a barcode on it, that has a great label, that's 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 easy to read, um, mm-hmm. you know, and a sales sheet, and <laughs> here's everything you need just to put, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just going to make it so much easier for that buyer to say no. Because they have a job to do, and, you know, they want that, that job point, to be easily done. <laughs> exactly. And you're not just competing with other brands in your niche. You're also competing with every other company that's trying to sell a product and try to get your attention. I mean, like you said, maybe you're selling yeah. a CBD tincture, but someone could easily turn around and buy the Advil on the other, on the other uh, shelf. You know, it, it's not just CBD. Yeah that you're competing with. So, so really being memorable, standing out, doing something to really catch people's attention, but
but then to really deliver on that, you know, once you get their attention, make sure that your message is clear. What are they going to get out of buying it? You know, who are they going to become by purchasing your product? I, I think is totally essential. So totally, I appreciate that. Totally. Um, and again, so, this is, this yeah. is, this is a, these are hard concepts. Like they sound simple, but they're really hard concepts to grasp. If you're doing it by yourself, which anybody listening, starting a company is, is exactly what they're doing. They're bootstrapping all of this. The, a, a huge entrepreneurial skill and one that I like learned painfully early on is to know your limits and know where to call in for backup when you need to. So if right. it's not designed, you know, if you can't, if you can't, if you're like me and you can't even write your name legibly with a client, um, <laughs> then you call a designer, you know, if, if you yeah. don't know how to talk about your product, well, how is anybody going to know about your product? Mm-hmm. You know, so Higher figure out what you're good at and more. Yeah, yeah, figure out what you're not good at and, and make sure those things get done well. Because exactly. start paying for those things. And this is just the transfer of energy, right? Like, if yeah. you're paying for a service, right, like, uh, you know, creative, uh, you're going to take it that much more seriously as opposed to just saying, oh, I, I can do this, right? Like, there mm-hmm. will be a, a much, uh, much greater emotional connection to the brand you're building if you actually sacrifice something for it. And the simplest thing to mm-hmm. sacrifice is a couple bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, you know, there are those out there that maybe are trying to bootstrap and, and do things on their own. Um, and, and so for, for those out there that maybe are bootstrapping and don't have yep. a huge amount or even a small amount to invest, what would you say is yeah. the number one thing that they focus on, whether it's, you know, their branding or their marketing? Uh, let's just well, say they have exactly a really good quality product. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you have to figure out what to bootstrap. And mm-hmm. in my case, in the beginning, it was accounting. Like, I can't, like, I, I can barely even turn on a calculator. Never. Yeah. And this is a terrible trade for a CEO to have, Right. But I knew this was going to be one that was going to just generate more problems for me and cost me more money. So mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, you know, really trying to get past the emotional aspect of paying somebody to do a thing for me, it was, it doesn't matter how much it costs. I know I'm going to pay more if I don't do it right the first time. So exactly. I don't know if that actually answers your question, but, like, to your point, it's like, well, if it's, you're not going to have to bootstrap everything. Mm-hmm. Some things you're good at, some things you'll hire other people out to do, you know, so figure out what mm-hmm. it is you're not good at. And, and maybe it's, maybe you are good at creative, um, right. in which case just go to, go to the store and look how great brands are laying out their, their labels and packages and copy it. Liberally <laughs> you know, just, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that real estate that you have on a label, it's teeny tiny. So you have to figure out what's important. Mm-hmm. So in terms of, you know, some of the most cost effective or uh, because what I'm finding, you know, I've been in the hemp industry over 18 years and just in the last, I would say three to five years, we're finally seeing big money get into hemp. Like prior to that, you know, it was only hemp fabric and hemp t-shirts and some, you know, hemp twine. And then the whole CBD craze came on online and and then that's when the money started flowing in. Um, but there's yeah. still, you know, mom and pop shops out there, like, you know, a, a, a mom who wants to do a hemp diaper brand or 
companies that are doing animal bedding or, you know, there's, there's non CBD companies that have not as much money. What would you recommend that are some of the most cost effective ways to, to drive traffic leads and sales for these up and coming businesses? Yeah. Get out there, mm-hmm. get out there and, and ask all of your retailers, what, what, what days can I demo in the store? Go to every farmer's market you can like, like literally, those are the things. If you're not going to pay to, um, you know, if, if the goal is to do this as organically as possible, then get your asses out there and, and start doing demo days because that is really effective. You know, go to trade shows if you can. The best way to get in front of people is by getting in front of people. So, and, and that's actually a big theme for us this year, coming out of the COVID years and um, you know, having this, you know, sad nostalgia about how great the days before uh, COVID were when we could, like, get on planes and go to meet clients in person and go to farms and go to grows or whatever. Like, well, those days are back, mm-hmm. so we're going to, like, really embrace those things, and we're traveling. We're going to travel a lot more this year, and we're going to twice as many trade shows. And, mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's our goal is there's plenty of organic ways, and most of them are just, mm-hmm. like, getting out there. Network, network, sure. network. I love it. So just physically talking to people, whether it's getting on a phone call, going to live events, going to the retail stores you, you maybe are currently selling in to do demos, and things to just get yourself yeah, in front of if, people. If you're listening to Hemp Radio, like call up, you know, call up and get on this show, you know, like figure out, and I, and I you know, I, mm-hmm. I mean that sincerely, like put yourself in uncomfortable positions is what I'm really saying, and like, yeah, Maybe that's because I'm mostly an introvert. It's it's doing extrovert things. So traveling, right. being you know, speaking, being a guest on podcasts, like whatever it is where I can get on my soapbox and tell people how great Canaplaners is and, and you know, spread the, like people. It works. Mm-hmm. It definitely works. For sure. Yeah. yeah we and made. Then... Uh, I think th- this year we made. So we have a outbound sales strategy. Right. Mm-hmm. Basically cold calling. And I think probably this year we probably made 50,000 dials mm-hmm. at least, maybe more, yeah. maybe like 70 or so. Wow. Right. So 70,000 phone calls we made to, to existing cannabis companies. And mm-hmm. none of it, none of it is as valuable as going to BizCon or like going mm-hmm. to a New England cannabis convention or doing a podcast like none of it none of it is or or just word of mouth you know like we we do so much better with um our clients uh you know gaining new sales by just doing well at what we do being off being authentic and uh mm-hmm. giving good customer service like that's what we're all about mhm for sure so to kind of shift into more of the the higher end paid methods of getting traffic and sales. I mean, obviously Uh there's, I would say as a foundation, any company, any brand should be focused on the more cost-effective free methods of of marketing, you know, word of mouth and going to live events, which may cost money, but still there's major regulations and limitations. Yeah. Yeah. um, To to like, you know, paid ads. What, what, what have you found are ways to, to get traffic? You know, if someone does want to do a paid ads campaign, are there certain platforms you found that are more friendly to hemp? Or do you find your brands do more like sponsorship things where they're going to get put in front of people because they're on some sort of banner at a live show? Or what, I, what is your 
experience how about, how about an exclusive? You want, you want an exclusive? We haven't even mm-hmm. talked about this yet publicly, so mm-hmm. I'll talk to you about it first. So cool. um, everybody knows that social media basically has, wants nothing to do with us. Google wants nothing to do with us in terms mm-hmm. of their paid strategies. Um, so we found, and this is specifically with Google Ads, not, I mean, we don't touch social at all. It's kind of, it's not important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you say you, social, just to so, clarify, do you mean social ads or social media marketing in general? Both of it. Like there's, okay. you know, there's a layer of thin ice that separates uh, cannabis uh, social media accounts uh, from existence and non-existence, right? So mm-hmm. for, for me, the, the advice, you know, just kind of the way we talk about so, social is it's just one of the spokes of the wheel. And unfortunately, we can't exploit it the same way other people, you know, other legal non-cannabis companies can, right? Mm-hmm. So we can't do any of the paid stuff. Um, and, you know, the results of it are, are just outweigh the risks of it, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the risks are just not, not that great. We don't want clients getting their social accounts shut down. Yeah. So we just say post pictures, just like have it be something that, that shows off the brand. Remember yeah. like what social media used to be, <laughs> like when it first started, mm-hmm. you know, like that's how we say to use it. Use it like the old right. fashioned way, just showing, you know, a window into your life. Yeah. Um, but just we, let them we have found it. ways. Exactly. Like, it, you know, post a pretty picture. Um, but we yeah. have uh, found ways to run success. We've been running success. We've been beta testing this the last, I don't know, eight or nine months probably. And we've been successfully running lots and lots and lots of Google ad campaigns for not only a couple of CBD brands, but cannabis retailers. So dispensaries mm-hmm. have been able to do it. And it's not through... I mean, it's not through anything too groundbreaking or focused on the educational side of it. Um, mm-hmm. It is a bit of a more, it is a bit of a higher investment compared to normal Google ads because it requires a few other things that you normally wouldn't have to do. Um, mm-hmm. But that, yeah, it's an exciting thing that we're getting into this year. Nice. Okay. Crushing out There Google are ads. other, right. Yeah. And there's, there's some other ad networks I've heard of like Taboola and, um, uh, there's another one, Brain something, but they're basically, you know, eight. I've heard 86% of all, like, traffic goes to Google, you know, first. Yep. Um, yep. And so, and then, you know, at Google and Facebook, like, majority of any sort of paid ad networks is through uh, Google and Facebook, and then, you know, the other 10% is Amazon paid ads. And so, it is, you know, really challenging. I'm excited to learn more about what you guys are uh, coming up with next year because, um, yeah, you know, awesome. paid ads, it's, it's nice to just turn on the nozzle and, and let the traffic flow. And with organic methods like SEO and social, it, it, can, it can fluctuate quite a bit when it comes to traffic. So it's nice totally. to get that steady, steady flow. Um, well, but, here, you know, here's, a, here's, yeah. a good, here's a good example of that, which is um, email marketing. We turned. We we started. We introduced email marketing at the beginning of 2022. Um, basically, as a, you know, this is how we kind of roll out things. We test. We'll test and test for a whole year to make sure it's a viable, you know, marketing service for our clients, but that it also makes good business sense for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and email marketing, like if you can, if you have a, if you're a CBD retailer and you have an online store, 
get a Klaviyo account, <laughs> set up mm-hmm. the automations, the, the, just the welcome campaigns and lost cart and abandoned cart and all those things are just yep. automations that you can set up for basically free um, mm-hmm. that will make you money. They will make you yeah. tons of money. So we have made our mm-hmm. clients tons of cash just from abandoned cart stuff, just setting up the automations. And then, totally. you know, they see the value in that, and they hire us to do email marketing for them. So there's, you know, there's mm-hmm. huge ROI in email marketing. Because Absolutely. unlike social, you can say whatever you want. You own those mm-hmm. email lists. And, you know, you know market, uh, email clients aren't getting shut down by their platforms. Just, exactly. It just, it just is. So mm-hmm. you can say what you want. You don't have to use coded language like you, like you would on um, – Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You you can you can use real pictures. You can use you know you can say whatever you want. Exactly. Um, and and yeah, people respond to it. So I totally agree. Is, yeah. You know, it's something you can do. Yeah, it's something you can do for free. Um, until you can't. Yeah. Um, and that there's a statistic a, out there. Uh, I, I don't quote me on this, but it's something like for every email address you have on your active list. Of course you have to email people for this to be accurate, but it's something like $30 per, like each subscriber you have is worth yeah. like $30 a month or something. So if you're not emailing, you, you can't make money with email marketing. So I, I completely agree. And people don't want to be bombarded with stupid stuff. So it's important to provide value, but it is okay yeah. to sell too. Cause when people sign up for your list or when they're on your website trying to shop for something, then most of the time, if you like a brand, you like getting their emails. And if it's irrelevant or it's not applicable to you, they're just going to delete it and send them another one. And, you know, setting, like you said, setting up these automations is essential. Um, You know, even like cleaning your list, making sure you have a sunset sort of flow so that for the people that aren't opening your emails, don't damage your open rates. You can kind of clean them out. And and it's important. Some people think, oh, I just need to build my list, but you also need to clean your list, which I think is a, a crucial thing on that point. Definitely. But yeah, um, we've, so we've I, seen a lot of success with email this year for our clients, and it's been, you know, such such an awesome – and that's literally how we – you know, our sales pitch is is literally what I just said. It's not social, and you can say whatever you want. And if you're mm-hmm. doing it consistently, you're doing it professionally, it's going to make you money, like real money too. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's crucial. Email marketing is not dead, as many people might no, think. No, no. No, it's so, definitely not dead. And you know, I mean, I'm I'm banking the entire company on some of these marketing dinosaurs, right? Like we started, you know, we're a website company. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like it mm-hmm. doesn't get much more archaic than building a website for your company. And then our mm-hmm. first, the first marketing service we offered was SEO. Like, and in past agencies I worked for, they they stopped selling SEO because, you know, they moved to paid ads or social or whatever, and they just didn't do this. But this is where mm-hmm. the this is where the real value lies in building one's brand. It's like these old things. And, and the reason they yeah. work is because they work, and we have to use mm-hmm. them because cannabis. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, we crush it with SEO. We, we create – jeez, we must have – I think we, po- we probably wrote 120,000 blog posts this past year, something like that. What? Something ridiculous. <laughs> it's like a That's huge, incredible. yeah, I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> wow. It's well, a, on that note, where can people learn more about your services and get a hold of you or yeah. set up a discovery call or something like that? Tell us how to find you. 
yeah, I'd, I'd love to uh, to chat with your listeners. So you can you can find us, of course, on the internet. Um, it's uh, canaplanners.com. That's C-A-N-N-A-P-L-A-N-N-E-R-S.com. Canaplanners.com, and then we're we're on all the socials. Um, it's at Canaplanners for all of them except for Facebook, which is at 420 Web for some reason. Um, someone had can of planners mm-hmm. somehow. Uh, so yeah, you can find us there. Also, just so you guys know, if, if for for cannabis entrepreneurs, the best social network there is is LinkedIn. I do, you know, I'm active on LinkedIn. LinkedIn does not care as far as it's as, as far as it seems. They do not care about cannabis at all as a kind of stigma stigma sort of industry. So mm-hmm. cool. um, get on LinkedIn, <laughs> network there. Um, but yeah. That's That's awesome. Well, one of the things I I love, you know, I'm a wordsmith and I I love inventing words. We have a a whole hempsicon on our website. It's a hemp lexicon (laughs) of all the different words Uh we've coined or people have coined and we kind of uh, collect the the different hemp words. But um, I I Uh love the the conjugation canna planners because one of the things Uh I learned at a very young age is if you want to change the planet, what must you do? Plan it. So without yep. a plan, you end up like a boat in the water without a rudder. It's like that plan puts the rudder in the water and helps you at least have some direction on, on where you're going. And so I, I love that um, play on words you. that you guys are doing. It's, it's crucial to have having a, a clear plan so that not only yeah. you know where you're going, but your team knows where you're going and you can all agree to agree to you know be on the same page and head in the same direction. So, but on that Absolutely. note, I would love to um, ask you one last question. If, if you had sure. a chance to speak with all the hemp entrepreneurs in the world and share one bit of advice with them, what would that be? Hmm. Wow. Well, I mentioned it once, and he's not a hemp entrepreneur, but he is a uh, um, he is a uh, so Tito Byrne, who, uh, so like I said, my company is located in, in Vermont. We're in Burlington. Tito Byrne is a local glass shop owner. He's been in town for, I don't know, 25 years in his shop, and he's just about to open. Uh, so uh, Vermont went wrecked. I think we opened up October 1st or something like that. So shops are just starting to slowly open up now. He's opening his. And what I said earlier in the show about, you know, do what you're good at, not what you love, uh, was something he said to me in a podcast of mine. By the way, that podcast is called Common Sense Amia, and you can find it on YouTube mm-hmm. or anywhere you get nice. podcasts. Uh, but he said that to me in an interview, and I never, you know, you always hear, do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And, you know, I think I kind of always took that for granted, um, and no one had ever, had ever put it to me in the way that he did. So I, I would, I would, echo the words of Tito Byrne, which is don't do what you love, do what you're good at. <laughs> do what you're good at. I love that. Yeah, you know, it's really, um, it's really, I think, a a spiritual journey, too, because when you, when you get really good at something, it, it really allows you to, it's ironic, but like when you focus in on one thing, that one thing ends up connecting you to everything else. And so it's like mastering yeah. one thing can really open up doors in, into something that you do love. But 
I, I, I love that advice. Focus on not what you uh, love, but focus on what you're good at and get really good at it because you can really find joy allow in me, that. Tyler, l- l- yeah. let me take it one step further. I think that's a beautiful sentiment. If you'll allow me, let me take it one step further. It's, mm-hmm. it's not only is it spiritual, it's primal. Like that's the mm-hmm. thing that um, I figured out immediately. You know, I got fired from my job and had to start Canna Planners like literally that day because of the primal fear of not being able to survive and not being able to like – you know, pay my rent, take care of my wife or our dog, my dogs or whatever, like mm-hmm. that, that primal need to survive combined with just a, uh, a, a insatiable sense of ambition, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's super awesome. You've been really helpful, insightful, and look forward to working with you into the future, Will. Thank you, everyone, for tuning Thanks, in to another episode of Hemp Aware Radio. This is Will Reed with Canaplanners.com, and this is your Hemptrepreneurial host, Tyler Hemp, here to empower your hemposphere as usual. We'll see you all in the next episode. Thanks again, Will. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Peace out, everyone.